think he has a way of making everyone feel like they're important was he makes you challenge your thoughts. You know, he asks you the why. Uh, so he, he's been great with us. Kevin's done a really good job sitting down with us, with the position coaches, and, and kind of talking through what they're looking for in players. And I think that is the most important first conversation we can have. This is the last Minnesota Vikings podcast in the month of February in 2022. That sounds absolutely crazy to say because I feel like with March around the corner, February was just a blink because of all the things that have been happening within the Minnesota Vikings organization. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm your host, Tatum Everett. Gabe Henderson's enjoying a little R&R, but we do have our producer, Jay Nelson, here with me in the TCO radio room. And Jay, it is really hard to believe that it's already March. People talk about warp speed over the last couple of years. It just feels like it's continuing at this point. I know that's definitely something when you get older, it happens even more. <laughs> but I, I would think, you know, you saw the, the memes at the end of the year saying, uh, welcome to 2022. And everyone's like, what happened to 2020? Like just we're at the point again yeah. where, hey, guess what? The NFL season's over and reset button. And we're just kind of off and sprinting at this sure, point. Sure. And when you have such a turnover in staff, like we've had this off season, I think it almost makes it more amplified. It was a lot of hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And really, you know, new GM Quasi Adolfo Mensa has only been on the job for 20, 30 days now. Yeah. Almost, I think he's about to his 30 day mark. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane. Well, but it's funny. You think about that and you say, yeah, it's 30 days. Where have those 30 days gone? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, the hurry up and wait factor was kind of as an organization, once they, they made the decision to move on, you're kind of anticipating and waiting and, you know, who's going to be and, and different people coming in. And then they finally make the decision. They bring in Quasi, and it's like, OK, hit the ground running because we got a bunch of stuff to do. But then we were still waiting for head coach. And then we're yeah. like, are we going to make the decision now? Or we ended up waiting because he was in the Super Bowl winning a ring. So because of all of that stuff, like you said, hurry up and wait, anticipation and then pull back. And then we finally, you know, make the decision with the head coach. Um, it's been a really weird off season and that mm-hmm. all of a sudden here we are a couple days away from the combine starting and the 2022 league year basically resetting right away. Of course, because March does mean that the NFL combine is here. I keep going back to a guy like Bill Belichick because he always had the the thing that you would always just kind of roll your eyes and say, why do you feel that way? But you get it. They get done winning a Super Bowl and they'd say, you know, how do you feel about winning the Super Bowl? And he's like, we're six weeks behind our uh, draft prep at this <laughs> yeah. point. And you're just like, can you not just enjoy the fact you won another Super Bowl or we're in one? Um, now you kind of get a little bit of a taste of what that's like where other people have already been planning for the last month and a half. You got to imagine that's kind of a little bit what Kevin feels right for now sure. is that he's like the high of winning. He is in the Super Bowl parade on a Wednesday and introduces a head coach of a new organization on Thursday morning. Thursday morning yeah. And you've got to assemble your staff. And as you said, get ready for the combine. I mean, he's going to be head coach for a week and a half before going to the combine. It's just, just crazy. Yeah. It's just crazy. But I mean, as crazy as it's also very exciting to see this new coaching staff embark on assembling the best roster absolutely possible. But, you know, there are several people behind the scenes that have been hard at work in the scouting process while the team was hiring. And we were lucky enough, Jay, to, to talk to two of those guys uh, and they'll be our guests in this week's podcast, Vikings co-directors of player personnel, Ryan Munnins and Jamal Stevenson. Two guys that have been around for a very long time, yeah. been a part of this organization at different levels, but 
280, you start asking people who've been around for a while and know who these guys are. They are consummate professionals, and it's really great to be able to talk to them today. Yeah, speaking with Quasey earlier this week, he says he feels very lucky to have those guys on his side. And, um, you know, when you're the GM, I think I've, I, everyone's always a little worried about turnover and what their vision's going to be, but it just feels like he meshes very well with the player personnel staff that the Vikings have. But I think that's also a testament to what that department has created over the years. They've always been a group that's been willing to kind of be innovative and try to do whatever they can to find the information they need to make a good decision. So it feels like when they came in, there it, it was just something where they have this established feeling where everyone kind of understands what their roles are. They know what they're supposed to do. They've definitely shown over the years that they've found a lot of really good talent that have come onto this team. So the fact that they both kind of come from different backgrounds yet are seen as the main two people to help lead this group that is so critical right now. Again, it's just great to have them on the show to kind of pick their brains a little bit about what really happens behind the scenes. Dare I say a word that we've heard a lot of lately? Do they collaborate really well? Very well. <laughs> and I just and I, and I really do feel like the fact that they I have said that been very tongue in cheek, exactly. Obviously. <laughs> but that's the thing is you can say it tongue in cheek, but it really is a big deal, especially sure. for those guys, because they have to understand kind of where each other's coming from. They have to um, be able to throw out ideas and kind of have almost a shorthand, especially with a brand new group coming in. Right. The adaptability exactly. piece of all of that is something that, you know, there have been several coaches changes while these guys were here, yet they're still around doing the doing the Lord's work for the Vikings, you know? You're dealing with not only the coaching turnover, that is kind of a normal thing annually. There's always some additions and subtractions, but not only are you doing almost an entire coaching staff change, but the GM change too. And I think for those guys, they're trying to figure out how to read the tea leaves of, you know, what does each group want? Um, and to just to kind of figure out, like, how do we thread the needle of finding the kind of players that not only the GM is kind of looking for, but all of the coaches as well and taking all that input on top of having to evaluate hundreds and hundreds of players that are potential candidates to be on this roster. So um, they're both incredibly good at what they do and all of the support staff they have behind them are, are also very, very good at their jobs. And so, um, you know, we're in good hands. It's just nice that it feels like there's a bit of a mesh going on there between kind of the old school and the new school of people coming in the door. Yeah, I think that's a lot of questions fans have. You know, how is this relationship going to coexist and work for the success of this team moving forward? And I think you're definitely want to continue listening because I think they gave a very good perspective and behind the scenes look as to what they do on a day to day basis, but as as well as like how they are getting along with the new staff and how they plan on collaborating moving forward in the scouting process. Uh, but first, before we get to that interview, you know, new head coach Kevin O'Connell, we got to hear from him again this week as he introduced his three new coordinators yesterday. And well, I just thought, Jay, that we just go and break it down name by name instead of saying them all at one time. So Sounds good. Uh, we'll go in the order of the press conferences. So we started out with defensive coordinator Ed Donatel, who is a Super Bowl winner in and of himself. He had two rings with the Broncos. He's been a defensive coordinator for three other teams. He comes in with this wealth of experience. 
Uh, that's kind of his resume in like very fast form. So, Jay, what was your impressions of him after hearing from him? As one of those guys watching his press conference, I kind of just the vibe that was coming off him was, oh, yeah, this is what definitely one of those defensive coaches. Oh, that's yeah. Kind of the excitable guy who loves just loves and eats and, and sleeps and breathes football. Um, you know, it's funny. I joked yesterday and I said this guy is somebody who was going to be a football coach yes. whether he wanted to or not because that is the personality he was he going to be coaching something something some sort of motivational speaker <laughs> yes. coach whatever it was um just ed's kind of got that that flavor and it and it feels like from all of the reviews after all the years of being in football you know that's kind of the mo of what people talk about is infectious energy and kind of a motivating guy that can get the best out of his players so watching the press conference what was really interesting to me was he was just as, as we just described, <laughs> excited to join it. And and part of the thing that he cited was when he was meeting with Kevin and Quasey's, uh just to try to get the job in the first place, the vision, the goals of what they talked about, and kind of this whole idea of looking for somebody who's willing to participate, to listen, to motivate. And Ed was very, very cognizant of the fact that he's like, that's what I want to do. That is my goal. That is what I try to do as a coach. And, um, it, you know, the thing that jumped out at me, he was basically saying, nobody's going to have more fun than us. Yeah, that I was, like that. Mm-hmm. That was the thing when, when he was, again, that's that positive infectious energy. And, um, you know, he got a lot of questions because he's worked in a lot of three, four systems. Right. A lot of people were asking him, well, are we going to run four, three, three, four? And he kind of said, yes. Well, he said, uh, yeah, all <laughs> the of the answer above. Was yes. All yes. of the above. Yeah. And, you know, I asked him that same question and, and the impression that I got from him, because we're going to release some more interviews next week with him. So you get to know more of what he says uh, through the Vikings Entertainment Network. But I think it's important to note that. He has been around for a very long time, 31 years in the coaching industry. And so you don't like and he said this in his press conference, but I've always kind of believed this as well. You don't stick around in this coaching industry if you can't adapt and move with the times. And that's exactly what he harped on. So I think it's very important to ask the question, what scheme are you planning on running? But I also think that at this point in time, Ed is just showing that he is fluid. Like he's worked in the 3-4 for the last 11 years. But before that, when he was with the Packers and with Atlanta, he ran a 4-3. He's not unfamiliar with these concepts. So if we're going off of what they're saying, impressors, what Kevin O'Connell has been saying, it sounds like they are willing to run the best scheme for the players they have, whether or not it's what they essentially want to. Yeah. And he cited the fact that it's something that's talked about in all circles across the NFL at this point. The fact that most teams end up having to run nickel a ton. And so he's just looking at it saying, yeah, we can run nickel out of four, three, you're going to run nickel out of three, four. And he was basically saying the league will help dictate and the offense we play against will help dictate what we're going to do. And I think for a guy like Ed, he his goal on his side with his coaches is to identify what players are going to fit best for that flexibility. So it was just something that um, he he also talked about the fact that he wants to see people grow as players and people. There was a very conscientious uh, feeling on his side of saying, my goal is to connect with these players as best as possible to figure out what motivates them and get, to get the best out of them. And on top of that, when he was asked about, you know, what's it going to be like in practice, et cetera, he, he cited saying playing against Wes Phillips offense will battle test us. That is something that I think getting the new school offense going against the new school defense and seeing how he adapts to that. That's going to be something that's going to be a lot of fun to watch here this preseason and all of the offseason when they're trying to install everything. 
Yeah, you mentioned the next guy we should talk about, offensive coordinator Wes Phillips, grandson of Bum, son of Wade. And I loved it when I sat down with him earlier this week. He said he's the black sheep of the family because (laughs) he's so offensive minded. But one thing that struck me as um, in, in speaking with him is just he is a very calm, even keeled kind of guy. Never got too high, never got too low. And and he was very, uh, what's the word? He was very intentional, which yeah. again is something I know we've heard from all of these guys so far, but it's a great word to describe how he answered questions. He doesn't, he's not quick to talk. You can tell that he's very, cal- not calculated, but he thinks about what he says, intentional. Cerebral. Yeah. He, it's, yeah. it's one of those things with him. I, I one thing I learned really early, even back in high school playing football, was my defensive coordinator played college football, but he was a record-setting running back in college, comes to high school football and starts coaching defense and is just a beast at defensive coordinator. It was the first time it really opened my eyes to the fact that a guy like Wes Phillips coming from a defensive-minded football family knows exactly what they're trying to do and then flips it on its head and says, how do we attack that and exploit it in a manner that can actually beat everything I've learned my entire life? So looking at a guy like Wes, he's cerebral, he's intentional, he's very calculated in the way that he'll answer stuff. And I really am excited to see kind of what is his style of offense going to be, given how much the league has changed over the last two years, let alone five years. What is the role of the offensive coordinator if Kevin O'Connell is calling the plays? But you got to think they're Four seconds, five seconds, six seconds to decide what's next. If Kevin's doing something else, I mean, you know, like he's got to focus on certain things. Wes is probably assisting him to the best of his ability. Um, that's that's his number one job. Wes is essentially doing the job that Kevin just had. Oh, one thousand percent. That's the thing. So like he knows what he's signing up for. Exactly and I think right. that's also big because if you have a guy that comes in who's not on board with that. Yes. That could cause friction. Yeah. And that's the thing is I think, you know, if Kevin bringing Wes from the Rams, having been in that kind of system, understood and worked with him uh, when he was, you know, working with tight ends in, in L.A. And now he's coming in as essentially offensive coordinator and kind of the right hand man for Kevin to lean on when it comes to game prep and breaking down film and figuring out, you know, what exploits are we going to use this week? What kind of stuff can we add to the playbook this week that can exploit something that we see defensively on film? A guy like Wes Phillips is going to be critical because Kevin can't necessarily do all those things he did before. He's got head coaching duties now, so he trusts Wes Phillips implicitly to make sure that the game tone and the playbook and everything is the table is set working with the players so that Kevin on game day can make the best calls possible, given what Wes has helped set the table with. And I think that's part of this like media culture of asking about play calling duties gets a little too hokey pokey like there are so many other things an offensive coordinator does that doesn't involve play calling yeah and like you said kevin's not gonna be able to do everything he's gonna he used to do and he has to find the best person possible that he trusts to relay that message just like you said one of the things that he was even asked in the press conference was talking about you know how important is the running game in your offense kind of a thing and his quote was the running game is important but winning the game is the most important sure again going back to what we were just talking about with ed the tone has been set with we're going to be flexible to whatever needs to happen mm-hmm. to win the game. That is something that I think is is fun to hear because you understand that the idea of getting married to one scheme, one set, one ideal in order to win a game, 
everyone that it feels like we're bringing in at this point are kind of saying, no, we're going to be adaptable because that's what the league demands at this point. No shade on what's happened in the past, but as we've already talked about in this podcast, this league evolves and changes so fast. Adaptability is the only way to survive. I can tell you as a guy who has drafted numerous fantasy football (laughs) Patriots running backs, Week to week, they do not care because they look at whatever defense is going to give them. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you can come in with an, an idea and a, a goal of how you think you're going to win, if you do not adapt, if you do not change, you do not make halftime adjustments, in-game adjustments, or at least have a plan to do that, then that's where teams can get in trouble. And I just feel like all of these different people have basically been citing over and over again just in a short amount of time how adaptable this team's going to be in order to win games. Well, rounding out this new coordinator staff is special teams coordinator Matt Daniels. He is a 32-year-old coming to us from Dallas, Texas most recently. Uh, I think I think it's important to note that he's been coaching in the NFL since 2018. Um, I asked him a question the other day. Well, I, I spoke to him a couple of times this week, and honestly, his energy is yes. contagious. And I love that because obviously when you have a special teams group, energy is number one, probably the most important thing to have as a special teams coach. For sure. That, yeah. The, For sure. Yeah. Special teams coaches have always been kind of your high energy people because yeah. if you think about it, they're having to pull an amalgam of t- players from offense and defensive side to and do specific jobs them. and motivate them <laughs> because not only are you running down the field mm-hmm. to possibly be a gunner or make a tackle, then you have to turn around and run back out on that field and play wide receiver right. or something along those lines. So as a special teams coordinator, you need high energy people that can get people to pay attention for very specific amounts of time to do their job and then get back to the the rest of their duties on the field. So it felt like mm-hmm. Matt Daniel's first press conference, you could feel just he's another high energy guy. Very high energy. And, you know, um, he's a former player. He played in the NFL. He played in college. Special teams was definitely his bread and butter when mm-hmm. he was in the league. And uh, that, I think that's huge to the relatability to players to be able to go up to guys and like understand where they're coming from is so big nowadays. And Matt's got that. But not only that, you know, he is also a fast riser. Much like the rest of the coaching staff, after he finished playing, he was a GA at Colorado University. And then after that, Sean McVay plucked him out and he was an assistant special teams coach for four seasons, I think. But he also attached himself to his special teams coordinator with the Rams and traveled with him. So he's learned under a guy that's been a special teams coordinator for an extremely long time as well. So I think he's really excited about this opportunity. And and he even mentioned the fact that He's excited to build on the the turnaround from this last season, from 2020, from what Ryan Ficken did. His whole idea, he said, was a simple approach with an aggressive mindset. I think with him being able to come in, look at this roster, having the established people, yet figuring out what the new crop of players are that are going to be coming in, not only through free agency, but also through the draft. Those are when the special teams coordinator is looking at those so incredibly close going, what can I do with that linebacker? What can I do with that defensive end? What can I do with that that wide receiver that's coming in? You know, I, 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 everyone always cites it, but a guy like Adam Thielen 
coming in the door saying, I will do whatever it takes to make this team. And I know that my biggest opportunity is through special teams before I can prove everything else. I think a guy like Matt Daniels is going to take whatever he can and just start making diamonds out of those pulled gems out of the, out of the cut. And I just feel like Matt Daniels, the motivating side, the former player side, and then kind of the creative mindset of being aggressive. Um, he cited the fact they had uh, blocked four punts and scored a touchdown last year in Dallas. He's coming from a team that had that same aggressive mindset. And I feel like if, uh, if the Vikings then can have a similar feeling uh, as they did with Ficken and how much players loved being with them, I'm really curious to see what Mac Daniels is going to get out of these guys. And boy, did his eyes light up when I mentioned the name Kane Wangu. Yeah. He is ecstatic to be able to coach him. He, when he, when when I spoke to him, he kind of, he had said like um, I got a quick story for you. You know, in Dallas, when we were about to play you guys, is when he was healthy again. Mm-hmm. We were like, nah, we're not going to really game plan for him. Like, we're not really sure what he can do. We're just not, you know, we're not, we don't know yet what this kid is capable of. And they saw glimpses of it in that game, he said, but he said, it's a good thing they got lucky because the <laughs> next game against Baltimore was the 99 yard uh, to the house. Kick I mean, return, yeah. yeah. So he, he knows what this kid's capable of. He said he watched a lot of tape on him when they were preparing or, or, you know, tr- thinking about preparing for yeah. him uh, when he was on the Cowboys staff, but he is excited about that kid. Kane was the guy that on draft night, there were a couple people that were messaging me saying, you know, what are we doing picking a running back? We don't need a running back. And I, I immediately screenshot in just special teams. Like that is this guy. He's running a, you know, four two four forty or whatever it is. And you're just looking at him saying, this guy is a potential difference maker like Cordero used to be um, when he used to see Devin Hester out there too. Mm-hmm. He has the speed and he showed us this past season. He has the ability to house a kick. And if you just think about as razor thin as all of these games are that we played last year, a kick return, a punt return, whatever it is, a punt block. If you can score on special teams and you get that third phase of an of a NFL team, to contribute that way, it can make all the difference in the world. And so, yeah, Matt's you had got, to bring that up, didn't you? But that's the thing is he's <laughs> got to be drooling thinking about, oh, yeah. here's some of the weapons I get to play with and how to shape that. And I'm excited to see what Matt can do with those guys. For sure. I mean, there is a template for consistency right there. Yes. You know, I mean, and he, he definitely thanked Ryan Ficken. He gave him a lot of credit for turning what was a weakness in 2020 to a strength in 2021. And, you know, I think this is an exciting part. He's he much like Wes Phillips believes the cupboard is not empty. Yes. All right. Well, this new coaching staff will be joined by the player personnel department when the NFL combine kicks off next week. We had the opportunity to sit down with co-directors of player personnel, Ryan Munnins and Jamal Stevenson, which was their first time here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. So let's listen in. Thank you guys so much for coming. I know you guys are so busy with your schedules getting ready for this offseason. We have Ryan Munnins and Jamal Stevenson, the co-directors of player personnel here for the Minnesota Vikings. Here's your first time on the podcast. First time. First time. How are the nerves? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. I mean, look, I already messed up once before we did this. So that was probably a little tension out of the room, there right? We go. There, you go. there we go. I know you guys, um, fans may not know your faces necessarily, but they've seen your work over the, over the several years. How many years have you guys each been with the team? Well, we've in in scouting, we've both been here the exact same time. We uh, we both started in 2002. Um I, I started in 1998 as as an intern, but moved into scouting in 2002. So 
I've, you know, we, we kind of came up through different paths. I came up through the pro side. Jamal came up through the, uh, the college side and he could speak to that. But, um, you know, but over the last year here, we've kind of merged our roles, uh, kind of into, into one. Has the, the ability to come in at the same time and known each other for so long, has that helped this relationship kind of grow over the years? For sure. Uh, you know, like, like Ryan said, I mean, we both, uh, well, I started here in, I was hired in May of 2002, um, from the Houston Texans. That's, uh, where I came from, uh, prior to here. Uh, but I was on the college side, like Ryan said. So, you know, obviously a lot of my time was spent on the road and, uh, you know, a lot of his time, uh, doing the pro work has been in the building. But when I've come here for meetings, obviously, uh, we've gotten to know each other over the years. And, and this year has just been fantastic to be able to, to work with Ryan and, and have that familiarity already, already formed. 20 years in the business, uh, tons of stuff has changed over that time frame between technology, being on site, being remote, everything even just that's happened in the last two seasons. What is the biggest change that you each have seen over the last 20 seasons trying to get ready for something like the NFL draft? Yeah, for me, it's probably just the technology, right? So when I first started, you know, I remember I had an old beta player and I would literally take an old mailbox and uh, go down to the storage room and, and grab a bunch of beta tapes and come back up to my office and I'd have, you know, a hundred beta tapes stacked up and I would just go one film through the next. And now the technology is so different. Now I can, I can just click on a button and I can watch every guy's, you know, every run play, every pass play, every pressure, every every sack, every, you know, every explosive play, I can sort them, you know, by the click of a button and, and just from, from an ability to isolate plays and isolate situations, the technology has come so far just on the film side of it. And I think that's the most drastic change. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree. It have to be the technology side. Uh, I mean, when I started, on the road, I mean, you had to be at the school to physically be able to watch their film. And uh, so I didn't know much about any of the players. Say I was going to Florida that day. There, were, there was no way to watch their tape, you know, until I got to the school. So you spent a large amount of time during the day actually watching tape from, from of the Florida kids. But now that film is available instantaneously. And, you know, after the game is played the next couple of days, I may have that on my on my computer and I'm able to watch it, get a head start. So I know what I'm going to look at when I when I'm there at Florida. So then a lot of my time is spent getting to know the player uh, as opposed to sitting there in a, in a film room watching tape. So. Uh, the technology has been great. Yeah. And just, just to piggyback off that, you know, just, just the technology in general, the, the access to information to have player information at the, at the click of a button, you know, all of the information that we have gathered reports, uh, physical features, timing, testing, all of that, you know, is, is in a, is in a very accessible database. Um, and it's information that we can grab, like I said, at the click of a button. And, and that's really what's changed so much versus, you know, when I first started, it was going back to old catalogs and looking up players. And I know that makes me sound like a, no. like a dinosaur, but, but it's amazing just how, how quickly uh, the, the te technology changes from year to year and it gets better and better every year. And I assume for both of you, that just helps with the efficiency of being able to arrive where you're going, get your business done, but then be able to move on to the next or even uh, handle more people and see more people than you might have done before where you were kind of keyed in on maybe a couple of people at a school, you can look at a larger group of people while you're there. That's absolutely right. I mean, there, 
you know, before the technology existed, you know, you could only really factor in, uh, you know, maybe three to four schools a day. I mean, because sometimes you have a, a school that has 10 or 15 prospects. So you're sitting there and you're really grinding through a ton of tape at the school and you really can't move on until you get that done. So sometimes if you had that many prospects, like at a Florida State or an Alabama uh, you'd spend two days there, yeah. you know, just getting the getting the tape done. And uh, and now there's so much more access to tape. You can you can get that tape done, um, you know, before you go to any of the schools, during, you know, on the weekend. And now you can get maybe five or six schools. You can do you can do two schools in a day because you've already gotten the tape work done. And so your main goal at the school is to watch practice and then get the background information on these players. You know, as we're sitting in draft meetings now, it, it gives us the ability to take a certain position. And if we have, you know, a, a handful of players that are stacked pretty equally, you know, we can we can easily pick out the critical factors that are most important to us and are most, most important to our coaching staff. So if we take an F receiver, we're able to watch all third down plays and just watch them back to back to back. Or we can take all the X's and we can watch all the explosive plays and watch them back to back to back and just make sure that we get our stack right and we feel really good about the group. Just, you know, the the ability to save time and, and to feel really thorough about the process, um, I think, is, is, is a big one for us. Does it help you find maybe that diamond in the rough a little bit easier now with the uh, there's just so many names out there so much tape it's almost an embarrassment of riches at times because you do have the ability to see any and all college players out there um is there a time where you sit back and you're like oh like this kid maybe you know 20 years ago may not have been discovered yeah i mean it definitely like we talked about earlier it makes you more efficient uh it puts more tape at your disposal more quickly more rapidly without you know, saying have to, having to fly from here to um, you know a small a small city in Alabama to to watch a player. I mean, you can pull up that tape, uh, you know, right here and, and and be able to do that without getting on a flight and you mm-hmm. know spending the resources to do that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely makes it it easier. Uh, the technology makes it easier to to identify players for sure. And I also think with with as many bowl games as there are now, you know, you've got the Hula and the East West and the NFL NFLPA and the Senior Bowl. I mean, so many of these kids are invited to these games, and a lot of small school kids get exposure to these games, and so you're able to watch kind of apples to apples uh, competition. And I think it's really important um, that less of these kids are are getting buried or, or left behind because there is so much exposure and there's so, you know, so much accessibility to these bowl games. I assume even, I mean, you can go back if you really want to and find all the high school tape and everything else, given today's <laughs> social media age where everyone's posting everything and all the services that are available. I, you know, you kind of touched on it a little bit too, of just trying to figure out then how do you discern between um, kind of weeding through all of that in order to kind of come to a decision on how you grade that player? Is it using past knowledge? Is it something where there's there's newer technology that you really kind of you know throw it in and kind of kick out a number? Like for you specifically within the room, working with all the coaches and everybody, how do you process that information then to not get lost in the weeds? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a pretty thorough process, and we've we've done it here for a long time. Um, you know. All of our scouts have access to the same technology, the same video. Um, so at, on any one given player, we may have three or four different reports um, and opinions on that player from our scouts. And then once we combine our, our coaches, 
and add them to the process, then you're you're getting a full picture of what you think that player may be. Um, you know, some of us do go back and watch some YouTube videos of, of a, a kid in high school or, uh, you know, um, um, if he played basketball, you know, you can watch him uh, do a 360 dunk. Or, you know, we had a player here, Fred Evans, once who jumped out of a pool, uh, you know, <laughs> at 300 pounds and landed on his feet. So, yeah. I mean, there's the technology clues you into all of that and uh, and it's available for all of us. So but um, our process is, is pretty inclusive, uh, you know, with our scouts, our coaches. And once all that information is put together, we meet on it and we come up with a final grade. Every year we ask ourselves, how can we get better? How can we improve our process? What haven't we done in the past? Like, you know, how have we missed um, and why have we missed? And I think those are really the critical factors. And I even think now, you know, I think that's a, you know, one thing Kwesi has has done immediately. He's come in and done a good job and just say, like, how can we improve this, you know? what what are your thoughts? What are your ideas? And I think every year we're trying to do that. And I think every year we get better too. But to Jamal's point, you know, it's, it's a combination of a lot of different things. It's scouts, it's analytics, it's coaches. And, and when that all comes together, hopefully you're, you're making the right decision and it's got to be the right fit for your team because one player for one team may not be a player for another team. Some of us behind the scenes, when we see all of you guys in the building, showing up, doing the work and all the meetings for hours and hours on end, Fans, a lot of times, don't start paying attention until the season's over. And when it comes to your crew and your group, this is something that starts long before the season's done. And then you're like, oh, the combine's coming up. We should pay attention. How long, like for you and your process, when does this really start? And the culmination is is the actual draft day and then after that signing for agents and everything. But what is that timeline typically like for your group? Yeah, so um, our scouts start watching tape in the summer, um, you know, prior to college football season starting. And typically, or sometimes it's, you know, we have two, three years worth of, of looks on a player because, you know, with COVID and everything um, and guys returning for an extra year, you've already watched that player um, when he was a senior and now he's a super senior. So there's, there's a, you know, sometimes two, three years looks on, on, on a player. And uh, we really start that process in depth in the summer. Um, like I said, all the tape is available to, to each scout and, and they can do that from the comforts of their own home. Uh, so that process starts then. And then uh, in the fall, we're able to go out and, um, you know, go visit these schools and and just kind of uh, follow up on that uh, initial summer summer tape work. Uh, and then as that process goes through the fall, uh, we're going to, to bowl games. So our scouts are out and um you know, they're going to bowl games, they're going to all-star games. So we're watching all the seniors, the top senior prospects at the East-West game, at the Senior Bowl, uh, the Hula Bowl, so many, uh, you know, now all-star games that are, are in play. And uh, we're kind of just in the process now where we're starting to talk about those players. These are our initial draft meetings with our scouts. Uh, so the coaches have not really gotten involved to this point yet. That comes in April, right before the draft. And, and they've had time to watch players and, and interview them at the Combine. Uh, so it's a pretty thorough process that starts in the summer. And, you know, it goes year-round almost. And I just think you really have to find that balance. Um, you know, we like Jamal said, we start that process in, in the summer. And I think that's really crucial because when you go in in the fall, it's it's – 
you don't have as much time to watch film at the school, right? Because you're going in and you want to find out the football character and you want to find out, you know, the off-field character, these players. And and so you really don't have as much time to sit down and just grind tape when you're at the school call. So that's why it's it's so important to build a foundation of summer tape. Obviously, as we go through the season, there, it, right, it, the, you have to find the right combination of, of balancing your workload between the college side uh, the pro side, adding players to your own team and managing your own roster, which has become much more difficult over the last couple of years because of COVID and the number of COVID replacements on, on any given day. And that's and that's really the day-to-day roster management is, is a big chunk of what you're doing during the season. And then also balancing out, you know, the pro side as, as, as we do advanced scouting reports for the coaches and we're watching games and, and, um, you know, communicating on a day-to-day basis with the coaches, with the coaches, or what they're looking for, and how we can help them on a game-to-game basis. Ryan, you mentioned a little while ago, uh, new Vikings general manager Quasi Adolfo Mensa, and what he's you know done so far on the job. I mean, it's been I think the other day when I spoke to him, he's been there about a month. So I actually want to ask you, Jamal, though, what are your first like initial impressions of Quasi? Very chill vibe, but a pleasant personality. Uh, I think he has a way of making everyone feel like they're important and their, and their opinions are valued. Um, you know, and, and the one thing that he's done for me, um, that I really necessarily didn't do in the past was he makes you challenge your thoughts. Um, you know, he asks you the why and he wants to, to see proof of the why and why you see what you see. And, you know, that's something that I'm really not used to because in the past I would just put it in my report. Here it is. It is what it is. And uh, he makes you think about why why you're why you're saying a, a, a certain player can't do this or why can a player do this. And so you have to go back and, and really examine, you know, and you have to be mindful when you're writing that player. OK, I better put in. OK, this is play number 36. This is what, what I'm saying. This is an example of what I'm saying here. So uh, it's it's more like fact checking, really. And I think it's good for us, uh, you know, as older scouts, but it's also good for the younger scouts to be able to see wh- what an example of, of why we're saying what we're saying. So he, he's been great. Um, you know, he's he's been in our process and, and uh, but he's he's kind of just letting us run with it and you know which I think is smart because we our process is where it is at this point already and we're getting close to the draft now he's he's provided input um, and kind of guidance along the way but the structure of our meetings has remained virtually the same uh, so he, he's been great with us yeah and I would say you know don't discount just walking around the building and, and feeling some chemistry and, and some positivity. And, and I think that's really important, whether it's at the Minnesota Vikings or Best Buy or General Mills. I just think to be around really positive people and people that will encourage you to to push you um, in, a, in a really positive way, um, I think that's really, really important. When it comes to not only Quasi, but even all the new coaches that are now in the building and some of them essentially being kind of finalized last week. When it comes to that point, though, with you and how closely you work with them, how quickly do you have to get up to speed of what they're looking for? It's trial by fire, right? So uh, you go from no coaches in the building to all of a sudden you have a full staff in the building. And it is um, it takes energy and it takes really a lot of time to establish relationships. And, and, and you have to be smart enough to know that that's just not going to come overnight. Chemistry just doesn't happen overnight. So it's, it's going to be a process. But 
um, you, you really have to make an effort to get to know these coaches and want to be in their office and talk about their position and talk about, you know, what they're looking for in players. And I'll, I'll say this, Kevin's done a really good job here in the first week, uh, as we're sitting through draft meetings, sending, you know, sitting down with us with the position coaches and, and kind of talking through what they're looking for in players. And I think from the scouting perspective, that, that is the most important first conversation we can have before before we can do anything on the scouting side is to figure out what type of player they want, what type of player they're looking for, whether it's measurables or char- characteristics or, or you know, football character. I think all of those things really, really matter. And, and until we absorb that as scouts and, and we have clear communication with the scouting staff and the coaching staff, um, that's, that's the only way we can really move forward. But like I said, you know, to establish these true relationship with coaches, it's going to take walking into their office and sitting down and having a cup of coffee and asking about their family and really just getting to know these coaches on a, on a personal basis and trying to earn some trust. And And I don't think Jamal and I are naive enough to think that that happens overnight because, um, but but it's a process that I really enjoy doing and I, and, and I know Jamal does too. It's It's love being around people, being around new people, being around coaching, talking football. Um, and so it's, it's been positive a plus across the board. Yeah. I mean, I spoke to Quasey earlier this week. He, I asked him about, you know, the personnel, how is it around guys who have been established in this league for so long and kind of coming in being the new guy. And he was like, I mean, they're pros, like there's future general managers all over this personnel department right now because they know how to do their business around here. And he kind of like lit up a little bit, like he was really excited about you guys in particular. And so as you head to the NFL Combine, what are your feelings with this new coaching staff, new general manager, knowing what you need to find next week or what you're looking for, but then also actually having the Combine, you guys are like back in your element. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's great to be going back to Indy. Um, you know, we took last year off because of COVID and, and basically it was a medical only combine. So uh, we didn't partake in that as, as you know, as a scouting group. But, uh, yeah, it, it's great to go back. Uh, the combine is um, just another part of the process, but it's an important one uh, because not only do we get all the, the top players in one area, uh, we get their medical information, which is 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 critically important. Uh, we get to watch them work out, which is also great. I mean, you know, sometimes if you're sitting there watching tape, you you're not able to maybe distinguish how strong a quarterback's arm is uh, if you don't watch go watch a game live, or you know, you may miss out on a, on a kid's athletic ability uh, on tape, but then you see it live at the combine, uh, running a forty or a shuttle, and you say, "Wow, that that guy's not as stiff." as maybe I thought he looked on tape. So being able to see that live is, is critically important. But I would say that the most important thing is getting in front of all these, the, you know, the players that we're interested in and sitting down and, you know, doing a, you know, it's not a very long interview, 18 minutes or so, but it gives you just a kind of a window into uh, who that player is as a person. Uh, oftentimes during the year, these these players are, you know, um, shield it from your, you know, being able to actually talk to you. You're there on campus, but you're there to, to uh, watch film. You're there to talk to coaches and strength coaches and trainers, and you don't get to face up with a, with a player or a prospect. So to be able to see them, look them in the eye and, and hear them speak and, and talk about what's important to them, uh, that that's a big part of the, the combine. Yeah, it's probably the, 
the the one thing I'm probably most excited about is is listen we've we've had the opportunity to sit down with these kids one on one you know scout to player, but now it's our turn to to kind of sit in back of the room and watch you know whether it's the head coach or the coordinator or the position coach um, talk to these kids and talk football and talk through plays and look you know ask them what they're looking for in particular situations and it's a really good learning environment for us to see our coaches. And it'll be especially important this year uh, to get in front of these kids with our coaches because it's the first time we've been with our coaches. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it'll be important to see exactly how they coach, how they teach, and, and kind of what they're looking for out of these players too. The Combine's always usually the kind of unofficial, official kickoff to the next season. Get to see your colleagues, get to see people that you used to work with before. When it comes to the combine, besides just getting to the players, what else does it mean for your group now from this point of the combine moving forward to draft day, kind of that official launch into the next season uh, for not only the Vikings, but for the NFL? It's a great opportunity for for our entire organization, everybody that goes down there to to kind of bond. I mean, the, there is time to bond. Uh, whether it's with the scouts or the coaches or the, or the trainers or the cap people and and um, you know just basically our, our entire organization is down there and it, it is a really good bonding experience you know we were down in Mankato for so many years at training camp and and now that that we're here you know that Mankato time was kind of our time to get away and kind of bond and and set the stage and so not only for our own team but just just to see people around the league and talk to you know other scouts around the league and other coaches around the league or other coaches that you've been with mm-hmm. or that were here with the Vikings for an extended period of time and to see those guys again um so I, I think that's a big part of it too, aside from from the workouts and the testing and the in the interviews, uh, just to be able to see people and to kind of establish or reestablish relationships again. Well, we wish you the best of luck. And obviously the time that you spend at the Combine is so valuable, not only, as you just said, to this coaching staff and establishing these relationships, but also for constructing the 2022 Vikings roster for this season, which is just so exciting. Um, We thank you so much, though, guys, for giving us a nice behind-the-scenes inside peek at what you guys do every day and heading into the Combine, what you're looking for and and how that's handled. Because I think that's something that maybe fans think they know more about, but I hope that they took away a lot learning from you guys today. So thank you so much to Ryan Munnins and Jamal Stevenson, co-directors of player personnel for the Minnesota Vikings, for being here on our podcast. Thanks Thanks for having having us. us. Skull. A huge thank you to Ryan Munnins and Jamal Stevenson for being our guests on the podcast. I know I keep repeating how thankful we are, but when you've got guys that are this busy that can only really talk in their lunch hour to us, which is so nice, it really it really is a feeling of thankfulness because, you know, I, I like that they were willing to to speak with fans and let them kind of inside a day in their life. Those two guys are some of the nicest guys that we have here in the organization. And I know they don't get promoted a ton. I know that when Rick was here, he would always talk about how much work Jamal did behind the scenes. Same thing with Ryan. As they said, they've been working on a bunch of this stuff since the summer. So this really is kind of their Super Bowl time coming up in the next month or so of prep. 
And um, for like you said, for them to take 20 to 30 minutes out of their time during their lunch hour in between meetings was a huge deal. So very grateful to have those guys in the show this week. Yes. The behind the scenes look is always interesting to me, you know, to be a fly in the wall of one of those prospect interview rooms would just be epic. <laughs> oh, I'm, and that's the thing is, you know, that group is is kind of an insular group and they pull people from all different departments and you talk to them at this time of year and they're like, you know, justifiably so they can't say much because they don't want things getting out that they're discussing. And you completely understand that. It's always interesting after the fact at times you'll get some information as to, you know, here's why we picked this player after we picked them, et cetera, et cetera. But for that group, it, you know, I think fans would absolutely love the ability to be able to hear and see what they do. I'm just hoping that uh, those guys are, are able during this time to catch up and get what they need, not only coaching wise, but in all these meetings and then between the combine, the pro days, all the prep, the subterfuge that always tends to happen, free agency, everything um, that they're able to uh, really be able to focus and find some great players to help this team. For sure. I mean, it all gets going next week when the NFL Combine kicks off, which is obviously so great to see it return to at least some sense of normalcy. I mean, we have it. I don't know how, you know, I know that the players actually were very, um, or the prospects rather, integral in making sure that they can make these meetings and things like that. Um, so it should be an exciting time. I think that we've got a lot of people here at the Vikings Entertainment Network that are headed down there next week to provide coverage and analysis. We'll talk to experts and we'll also talk with, um, we'll have a couple of interviews dropping with Quasi and a few of the coordinators. So it's going to be a really exciting week to be a part of Vikings.com, the YouTube page or the app, wherever you get your Vikings information. It's going to be a very, very hectic week. Um, we'll also wrap it all up with an MVP episode next week as well. So, I mean, it's just going to be a lot of info. I hope you're prepared to get to know everyone really well. Be ready for your feeds to just explode Boom. over the next uh, five, six days next week. And like you said, this is always the exciting time of year because you're finally starting to get a little bit of a taste of who the new crop is and what your possibilities might be for 2022. Exactly. It's just a lot of fresh newness around here. It's a very bright and exciting time here at TCOPC. We're not taking a break anytime soon. The break was like a one-week vacation, I think. It was kind of a sad break. Yeah, that month uh, <laughs> kind of got eaten up real quick. Real quick. But uh, no, we're excited to keep giving you and providing you content behind the scenes looks at what's going on here because we know you guys are all interested in what's next for the Minnesota Vikings. So for Jay Nelson, I'm Tatum Everett. Skull. Skull.